Star Wars 7x7, episode 1442. Today we are continuing our dive into the Solo A Star Wars Story official guide from DK Publishing. And today, it turns out we're talking about a nexus of a lot of different Star Wars stories, characters, etc., etc. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. So today we're continuing our deep dive into the DK Publishing Solo Star Wars Story Official Guide. Thank you again DK for sending me a copy. It's been awesome to go through. This is sort of the newer style one. It's a lot more... Uh, you know, graphically presented a lot bolder in its, you know, color pops and call outs and that sort of thing. Not your traditional DK publishing guide to these things. Still, it's good to have the style mixed up for sure. And this time around, we're talking about the place your bets section of the book, not in its entirety, because there is a wealth of information. And it turns out that the final chapter of this thing is a little bit slight by comparison to the other five. So we're going to push some stuff forward a bit. But today we're talking about Dryden Voss's yacht, the first light and the stuff that happens in and around it, which as it turns out connects to a lot of different parts of the Star Wars universe. And I mean that from both the literal standpoint and also the meta standpoint in terms of other media properties. So let's first start out by talking about Crimson Dawn itself, which gets a little more background information as part of the conversation about the First Light and Dryden Voss and his activities and whatnot. So it is an emerging criminal organization. That's how it's described, but certainly a very up and coming one and one that apparently is attracting a lot of attention and needs to be spied on, basically. So one of the spreads in this part of the book includes a list of partygoers, and one of them is a spy from something called the Rang Clan, R-A-N-G Clan, and apparently her presence there as a spy is at least somewhat suspicious to somebody within the Dryden Voss organization, within the Crimson Dawn element that's on the first light. So they're kind of aware and it's, you know, not yet clear how they're going to deal with her just yet. But, you know, that adds for some palace intrigue to be sure. And I forgot to mention from yesterday's podcast that as far as the Cloud Riders go, the group controlled by Enfys Nest... There's supposed to be very little predictability about what the Cloud Riders are targeting in their attacks, but if you do a careful analysis, at least according to the guide, you find that there is a significant hostility toward the operations of Crimson Dawn. So Crimson Dawn doesn't just have other criminal organizations per se. They also have pirate gangs attacking them and, you know, pirate gangs that have different ulterior motives too. Now, when I talk about the connections to other parts of the Star Wars galaxy, well, let's start with, um, let's say, Rogue One, for example. So if you'll recall, after Dryden Voss is having his meeting with the regional governor and he actually kills the guy, he's got 
a pair of Cayuso blades, and I'll deal with those in a minute. But he puts them on a tray, and the tray is being held by a very odd-looking character that doesn't have the top of her head. This is one of the decraniated, and the decraniated were first introduced in Rogue One. They are the product of an experiment by the nefarious Dr. Cornelius Evazon, as in, I have the death sentence on 12 systems, Evazon. So apparently Dryden Voss has at least one of the decraniated in his employ. As for those Cayuso blades, well, Cayuso as a species, we've seen them on a couple of different occasions, or almost seen them, as it were. Probably the one you might be most familiar with if you are a fan of the expanded not the expanded universe, aka Legends, but really just, you know, the Clone Wars and also the new novels, particularly Aftermath. Embo, who is a bounty hunter, appeared in both of those. And the one that you might be familiar with, but are not familiar with exactly, would be Constable Zuvio, who was famously made into an action figure for The Force Awakens and then was in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment. Or was that Sarko Plank? Uh, one of the two. Anyway, Zuvio ended up showing up in one of the stories in Tales from a Galaxy Far, Far Away, Colon Aliens, Volume 1 by Landry Q. Walker that was released as part of the Journey to the Force Awakens stuff. And there's another bit of a Clone Wars connection in Dryden Voss's ship as well, because apparently one of the guests on that ship at the time that we see the partygoers in Solo A Star Wars Story includes the current Count of Sereno, S-E-R-R-E-N-O, and that planet would be the planet where Count Dooku came from. He was the Count of Sereno previously, and so now we have a new Count of Sereno being fated, fetid, fetid, at... <laughs> at Dryden Voss's ship. There's also a nod to both the comics and to Star Wars Rebels with a reference to one of the artifacts in Dryden Voss's study. So there's a lot of different stuff in there and lots of Easter eggs that have actually been detailed on a Star Wars show video. But in Solo A Star Wars Story's official guide, one of the things they flag is a Nogri, N-O-G-H-R-I, piece of headgear, and the Nagari have been seen in two prominent places, one of them being the Cassian and K2SO one-shot comic book that came out after Rogue One, but probably more famously, that would be the species of the assassin Rook, and he would be Thrawn's assassin who showed up and was voiced by Warwick Davis in the Star Wars Rebels TV series. I'm sorry, did I say headpiece, headgear? It's a carver set. It's ridiculous. It's a carving set of some kind. And there's also a giant masthead of someone named Zim the Despot, and this would be now the second mention of Zim the Despot in five or six months because he was referenced in the last Jedi Incredible Cross-Sections book as well, and that is a pull from Star Wars Legends from way back. So Jason Fry did that in the last Jedi Cross-Sections book, and now Pablo Hidalgo has followed suit by putting a Zim the Despot reference in Solo A Star Wars Story as well. And if you're wondering what masthead I'm talking about, it's that giant crystal skull thing. Oh, and speaking of crystal skulls, there is an Indiana Jones Easter egg in here as well. So if you remember when Beckett and Han and Chewie had to check in their weapons before they could go onto the first light, before they could go up to talk to Dryden Voss, there's a guy that's operating the gun check. 
His name is Tot Ra, T-O-H-T-R-A, and yes, that would be Tot, the toady for the Nazis in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, as it's now known, and of course, Ra being the Staff of Ra and the headpiece to the Staff of Ra was the thing that was burned into Tot's hand, so neat little Indiana Jones Easter egg thrown in there as well. And we're going to stop there for the moment and pick it up tomorrow with The Lodge. And that's that place on Fort Ipso where we find Lando and L337 and a character whose name is a reference back possibly to Return of the Jedi. That should be interesting. We'll check that out. But for now, though, I'm just going to take a quick break and then we will do last Jedi trivia. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. No sponsor on this episode today, so I just have a favor to ask instead. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do. So please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So last time I asked you who appears to be the last person to board the Raddus before it goes into hyperspace, and that is Poe Dameron. Today's question for you, something happens to General Hux that is very reminiscent of what happens to Captain Nita in The Empire Strikes Back once a ship disappears from his pursuit. What is that thing? And that'll do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the shortest offensive of all time, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.